Good morning and afternoon to everybody. Um, everybody that's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and X. Hope you're having a good time. It's been a little bit since we've done this podcast, but I hope we are excited to to share the good news and to talk about the things that we have today. Hope you're excited to see the content we've got for you. Um, if you have any disagreements, we've got a text line for you at 833-262-6431. So if you have any prayer requests or you want to chime in on the conversation, you can um, either comment on the stream, comment on a YouTube video, or the best way would probably be to text this text line right here too. And um, my name's Austin. You can catch me here on Faithful Dialogues. And I've got MHTY Official is my uh, private YouTube channel. Um, it's been a little bit busy. Uh, I finally got a, a career thing going for me and um, things have been rolling. Prayers have been answered. So I'm really happy about that. And um, I'm with my friend Ryan. Hey, everybody. My name is Ryan and uh, you can find my personal stuff over at AIIW.org. I'm on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, or X, I guess, you know, all the all the different platforms. So you can go check that out if you want. Uh, have some cool shorts that uh, come out, make them uh, from time to time. And uh, yeah, hope you guys are having a good day. I know that I am. And so want to get right on into the gospel there, Austin? Yeah. And um, okay, so I just want everybody to know that um, everything that you've ever done uh, is forgiven by God through faith in him. So he will give us uh, unmerited grace like undeserved favor if we put our faith in jesus christ and everything that we've ever done will be forgiven and so essentially what what happened was our creator god stepped into his creation and became a human being like us and he lived the perfect life and was without sin and willingly gave his life as a sacrifice to atone for our sins should we have faith in him and that person was jesus christ um, he was a real person and he did die. He was buried and then the father accepted his sacrifice and his life and he was raised to life three days later. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, everything you've ever done, uh, will be and has been forgiven. And so I want to encourage everybody to put their faith in Jesus Christ. So you have the assurance that you are going to go to heaven. You are guaranteeing your salvation essentially guaranteeing that you're going to go to heaven if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. So it's a wonderful message. It's it's great to know that you don't have to pay for your own sins because that's what happens when you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ. You will you will be atoning for what you have done, but Jesus has already atoned for our sins on our behalf. And so it's a free pardon should you accept it, and I encourage everybody to accept it. And um, after you put your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, Ryan has a message for us for what we should do as Christians. Yeah, amen to all that, Austin. Thank you. Uh, and so, as a Christian, once you've given your life over to Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, what happens is you begin a process where God starts to produce fruit in your life. And as part of that, part of that fruit, uh, and part of the blessing that he's given us, he has made us into kings and priests, according to Revelation 1.6. And so that means that we are supposed to go out into our community, and we go out and we uh, spread the gospel first and foremost, but we also do things to uh, help out our community and, and be there to make sure that they uh, that everyone around us, you know, is is edified, knows about God and that we can do everything we can to help them and, and, and just be a light in their life. So that's uh, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. And, and the reason for that is because we've been made kings and priests 
and that priestly role is incredibly important. And that's not yeah. just something that your pastor does on Sunday morning or your priest does or whatever. You yourself are a priest and have a bunch of responsibility as well. Yeah, and we are closer than ever to the return of Jesus Christ, and we're really excited for that. That could happen at any moment, and there's kind of something called the fullness of the Gentiles. Uh, what, what does that mean, Ryan? Yeah, so there is a specific number of people that will ultimately get saved and come into the church. Uh, that is that fullness of the Gentiles that you're talking about. After that happens, then Jesus Christ will come back. He will return to take us up into heaven uh, to be with him during a period of time that will be worse than any other period of time on earth called the tribulation. So we, me and Austin are both, uh, we both believe in a pre-tribulation and pre-wrath uh, eschatological view. And eschatology is just a very fancy word for end times. And so uh, there's other views that, that could be possible. But uh, we both believe in that, and, and we see that the Bible, at least to us, very clearly teaches that. So, Yeah, um, it says like uh, he'll save his people before the time of judgment or for the hour of judgment or something like that. There's a, there's a bunch of verses that kind of imply that there's going to be um, the, the church taken out before, um, before the, t the time of trouble or the time of tribulation. Mm -hmm. and, um, we'll so have to do other people. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we'll have to do like a whole episode on that. We, <laughs> that's a, been it's really, really wanting to, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to prepare that because that, that'll take some preparation and, and finding a bunch of verses and, and all of that. And fortunately, my uh, the pastor that I, I go to on Tuesday nights, he uh, he did a whole teaching on Revelation. I'll have to go dig up my notes from that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, we're super excited. We hope Jesus comes back in five minutes, but should he not, we're going to be spreading the gospel and trying to get this message out to whoever um, would hear it. And again, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're guaranteeing your salvation. So we just hope that you would, we hope that you would do that. And so, um, all Amen. right. So quick question, Ryan, before we get started. Um, and so because we do have a God and we are able to communicate with him, you know, we have a, a spirit and a soul that gives us the ability to connect with him because he's spirit. Um, when we pray, um, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, who are we really praying to, and why are we praying to that person? Yeah, that's a really good question, and, and one that a lot of people have. So ultimately, what it looks like actually is, is kind of like a court. So like a, a, um, like, a court, uh, uh, like a legal court here in the United States. And they actually use the word pray in court when you're talking to the judge. And so essentially what happens is you as the defendant, um, you would talk with your lawyer, who in this scenario would be Jesus, and then what Jesus does is he transmits that message to the judge, who would be the Father. And so what's happening is Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he continually is making intercession for us to him. And so when we pray, we should be praying to the Father, uh, and then what Jesus is doing is he is taking that prayer and he is delivering it to him for us. And so then, in addition, the, the Holy Spirit kind of translates what we're saying a little bit, too. So if we're saying something a little bit wrong, as long as we have that proper stance towards God, uh, then the, the Holy Spirit translates that, Jesus takes that message, and then gives it to uh, the Father himself. And then what we actually find in Revelation is that prayers are something that God collects. So some people might collect Beanie Babies, some people might collect Pokemon cards, God actually collects and treasures our prayers, and he is storing those up 
for a specific purpose uh, in that we find in Revelation. Yeah, um, you were saying as long as we're in the right stance with God, what do you mean by that? So, uh, number one, you have to be praying to God. Like if you're praying to Mary or you're praying to a saint or you're praying to something else that isn't actually God, that isn't a properly directed prayer. So I don't think that would fit into this formula. It would be like talking to the, the, the wrong lawyer and expecting that to get to the judge or, you know, speaking to somebody outside of court. Um, so I, I think that would be one thing. And then the other thing is, you know, if you're asking for God to murder somebody or like for somebody to die, I don't think that that gets translated properly. And so when you're asking for things that you should be asking for and that, that God wants you to have uh, and that we see in scripture, you know, for your friends and your family to be saved, for God to help you with some sin in your life, those sorts of things, even if you're not saying the exact right words, ultimately what's going to happen is God's going to hear the right thing and then respond in the proper way. Nice. So that's, that's comforting to know that if I'm blabbering or, or kind of just, uh, I don't know, my, my prayer's not going exactly the way I want it to, that the, like the Holy Spirit and Jesus are going to translate that to the correct uh, format, I guess you would say, so that the Father mm. would hear what I'm trying to say. So that's pretty cool. Amen. And uh, there's a couple verses that kind of back up what I'm saying a little bit here. Uh, so we've got Hebrews 7.25. It says, Therefore he, it's speaking of Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And then uh, the next one, it comes from Romans 8.34. He, uh, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who's, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And so uh, those are just kind of talking about what Jesus is doing up in heaven right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is there just continually uh, trying, not trying, he's continually succeeding at uh, passing along our prayers to God. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just so beautiful. So. Okay. Nice. Um, I, I would definitely agree. And, um, here on my notes, one of the questions we were going to bring up, I, you know, we kind of covered it with like, um, uh, like the fullness of the Gentiles and stuff, but when exactly does Jesus come back? Yeah. And so, uh, he, it's not the so what what the the only other thing that needs to happen is for the fullness of the Gentiles to come into the church, and then at some point after that we don't actually know the day or the hour, uh, but at some point after that he will be coming back and he will take his church and so, yeah that's a really good question. Um, a lot of people have you know have given dates you know I, there's a famous book that came out it was uh, 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1988 or something like that uh, I've heard about that yeah um so obviously that didn't happen and there's a you know what the bible says is that no man knows the day or the hour uh, i believe it even says in that verse that Jesus at the time didn't know the day or the hour uh and i so when he was on earth he didn't have full and complete knowledge of everything i think when he now that he's up in heaven he probably does but uh, nobody, nobody giving a specific date for the end times to start or for any of that stuff to happen has any idea what they're talking about. Yeah, so if you set a date, you kind of know that, um, or if you hear somebody set a date, you kind of know that they're, um, they're just kind of extrapolating or making their own claims there. Not really mm -hmm. a biblical thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I don't know them off the top of my head. There are signs that we are supposed to be looking for as believers uh, for what will kind of start off the end times. And we have started to see some of those happening. So the first biggest, maybe not the first, but the, the most clear one to me was Israel being formed as a nation back in 1948. And what we've seen since then are, are Jews flocking back to their ancestral homeland of, of Israel. And so that was a huge bit of prophecy that is coming to pass. And that's one of the signs that I believe we're supposed to be looking for as the church to know that we're getting closer to the end times. So obviously every day we're getting closer, but that specific event, you know, it had been 2000, almost 2000 years since the Jews had been uh, a nation in Israel. And so to see them finally come back like that, there's no other explanation for that than, than God was working in that situation. And so I believe that's one of the one of the first biggest signs that we should be looking for is Israel being back in the land. And then we need we, what we've been seeing in the intervening years are uh, there's different processes that the Israeli government has where they're act, they actually like try to get Jews to come back and live in Israel. I believe it's called Aliyah. Uh, I could be wrong on that term, though. And so um, what we've seen is that more and more Jews are are living in Israel today than ever before. And. At some point, they're going to be regathered in the land, and at, then the church is going to be taken up into heaven with Jesus, and yeah. And so there's uh, there's different verses that talk about when that will be. There, we'll, we should look for signs of wars and rumors of wars. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, the uh, wars and rumors of wars. Um, I can't remember if the wars and rumors of wars is an actual sign, or there, there's a few of them that are like, it, it's the way it's written is kind of interesting. Um but yeah, so when does Jesus come back? Ultimately, we don't actually know the day or the hour. I think that we're, we're really close just based on a lot of different things that are happening. But as a Christian, what we're supposed to do is not uh, prepare for one specific outcome. We need to be ready for Jesus to come back tomorrow, but we also need to be ready for Jesus to come back in a thousand years. And what that means is that you can't just stop going to your job you can't, you know, stop taking care of your children. You have to be planning for their future in the case that, that Jesus doesn't come back tomorrow. So um, I know that when people start, uh, some I can't remember the exact verse, but it's like when kingdom um, rises against kingdom and when people are encroaching on Israel that like God will end the violence and, and kind of save Israel like at the, like the last moment kind of thing. Isn't there something to your knowledge of something like that i'm sorry can you restate that for me real quick i was typing something <laughs> it's like when nation will rise against nation and like um when nations come against israel he will kind of like step in at the, like the last minute and save his people or something like that yeah I, I can't remember the specific verse that you're talking about but essentially what will happen is there's going to be a a, a huge war where a bunch of nations are going to gather and try to destroy israel and ultimately what's going to happen is two-thirds of uh, the Israelites are going to be unfortunately killed. And, and that's, it's going to be a horrible tragedy, a tragedy twice as bad as the, uh, the Holocaust. Because in that, in that instance, one-third of all Jews were, were killed, or murdered, I should say, horribly. I'm, I'm not in support of the, either of these incidents, of course. Um, and so what will happen is the remaining one-third will, will, will welcome Jesus back and, and cry out for him, and he's going to return and just completely destroy all those armies that were formed against Israel. 
Yeah, it's also crazy that they're like the smallest nation and, and so many people have like such a massive problem with them. They just want this little tiny one sixty fourth of the pie and then people don't even want them to have that. So <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. Yep. Uh, so the, um, there, the, there's a verse in Matthew 24, 6 to 7, and it says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not 100% clear exactly when Jesus is coming back, and that's by design, I believe. So... There's some scripture I want to read and get your take on it. I'm going to try to be as fast as possible. Are you, are you down? Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be um, Luke 17, and it's going to be talking about the, the coming of the kingdom. Sorry. Let me, let me blow through this. All right. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the son of man be in his day. But he first must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the son of man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let no one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let uh, the one who is in the field not turn back. So, uh Oh, th yeah. Okay. Let me, let me keep going just for a little bit. Um, remember Lot's wife, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And, and they will say to him, where Lord, he said to them, uh, where the, where the corpse is there, the vultures were ga will gather. And so that was always kind of cryptic to me, but this is one of the um, when people say that the rapture isn't in the Bible, um, the word rapture isn't, but like this is kind of where we get some of that doctrine mm -hmm. is, you know, oh, two will be in the bed and one taken and um, two women will be grinding. I'm assuming wheat together mm -hmm. and one will be taken and the other left. So I don't know what uh, how people who say that the rapture is not in the Bible, how they kind of like reconcile that are they kind of so, saying like gonna be kidnapped or something like <laughs> uh, they take it as an allegory and so whenever, uh, we we take i would say that we take the bible very seriously because of course there's places in the bible where it isn't completely literal it talks about i believe in proverbs that god is like a mother hen that that puts his wings over us obviously god's not a chicken um so we, <laughs> we don't take that literally but we take it seriously to mean that he wants to protect us and that he's going to do that even better than, you know, a parent, uh, an animal does for its children. So um, what what people do who are amillennial or have different uh, different eschatological beliefs, uh, like post-mill, post-millennial, what they do is they take a lot of these things as allegories and as happening in kind of like a spiritual realm. So 
they might say, I, I don't know. Uh, I would hope that if somebody does believe these things, please tell, uh, tell us what you actually believe. But my understanding would be that, like, when it says that one person will be taken in bed and the other won't, you know, it's like one person saved and the other's not type of, type of a thing. Okay. Uh, did you have a what? Uh, did you have a specific question on kind of that verse? Because uh, what? Um, uh, can you go back to kind of the middle where it was talking about? Uh, oh man, what what was the? Sorry, what was the the, the reference here? This was Luke seventeen, and it starts in uh, verse twenty. Okay. So. Now, okay. Oh, yeah, so it's talking about, like, um, but first you must suffer many things, be rejected by this generation, so that's talking about the, the generation that rejected and killed him, you know, Pontius Pilate and all of that. Uh, and, as, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. So what, what it's talking about there, uh, when it says they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all, what it's saying is that they didn't know that was happening. Even though Noah had been preaching on it, okay, and he had been building this giant, you know, ark in his driveway for a hundred years, um, even though he had been doing that, nobody believed him. And so they just kept living their lives like normal. And so what this is saying is that the, um, the people today or in the future when this happens are just going to continue to li continue to live their lives like normal right up until the time when it starts. Okay. Um, and so that's going to ignore saying. all the preaching of the church, basically, right? <laughs> exactly. Those that aren't saved, those that, <clears throat> that aren't part of the church are going to be just living their lives like normal. Uh, just like in the days of Lot, uh, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. So they were just living their lives. That, that was all normal stuff. They were also doing and committing horrible sins, just like we are today. And, and like people always have. But, but today, the, 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 the amount of sin that's in our culture and in cultures around the world is just rampantly expanding, uh, you know, with all the different ways that we can sin online and, you know, on our phones and all of that kind of stuff. So we're just going to continue to live our lives, and then all of a sudden it's going to happen is kind of the um, what I'm getting out of this passage. Okay. Yeah, it's um, that that's why that's why we're we're saying and and preaching even on this um, on this podcast that uh, Jesus is coming, mm -hmm. and when when he comes, he's either going to be your judge or your savior. And so we we really encourage everybody to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He, he was a real person. You can find him in even in historical records. Um, you can find out all the stuff you need to know, um, like in in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you can read it and believe for yourself, decide for yourself. But we we really do. Um, you know, God is real. He really did come into this world. He really did live the perfect life and lay his life down as an atonement for our sin, the sin of the world. So Amen. should we put our faith in him? We get the righteousness of Jesus applied to us. So when we die, we are essentially righteous in the sight of God. And we're going to be guaranteed to to be in his presence and be in heaven forever with everybody else who's a Christian. So Absolutely. I, I would just encourage you guys to put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's real. It's serious. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time left. But so I mean, we could have time left, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. Exactly. <laughs> this well, is and, your and, this is your soul. And even if Jesus doesn't come back for another thousand years, you might get hit by a bus as you walk out your door today. Right. Like 
there yeah. is there is no uh, certainty that you will have uh, you know a nice long and full life and so it's very important that immediately you know you think about and you you seriously put your faith in Jesus Christ and in the sacrifice that he made on that cross 2000 years ago yeah i agree all right um so where are we at now let's see did we uh, so we did the first question kind of the when does jesus come back uh, correct that was yeah okay um and then the other one i wanted to go over uh do you have that one pulled up yeah that would be once saved always saved so if we're can we lose our salvation or are we always saved once we come to jesus christ yeah so um there's a there's a few different ways that that gets taken the the most common way is you'll go into church your pastor will at the end of the service ask you to say a prayer and then a, a lot of churches will essentially say that you're saved at that point now it is possible that you're saved at that point but it's also possible that you just kind of said that prayer without really meaning it and so what some churches will teach is that after that moment kind of even if you aren't really meaning it you're saved forever and so that's kind of how it's taken in the 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 worst possible way that's that's kind of how like the people that don't believe in eternal security at all will present what we what what's what that is teaching um sorry the 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 the, the way it's described by by people is once saved always saved or a kind of an eternal security view and so I believe that once you have truly put your faith in Jesus Christ, there is nothing that can happen that will get you out of uh, out of your salvation. So once you truly believe, once you truly have faith, and you 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 really dedicate your life to Jesus, you you are a sheep, you are His sheep. You've heard His voice and you've responded. Then I believe you are eternally secure in that salvation. And one of the verses that I would use to support that comes from John ten twenty eight to twenty nine, and it says. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. This is Jesus talking. And then it says, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So what it's kind of, what the picture is, is it's, we're in between two hands. Okay? So we've got Jesus keeping us in there, and we've got God keeping us in there together. We're in his hand, and no one and nothing can, can remove us from that. Not even our own sin. And so what we're supposed to do as Christians, we get justified by faith, and then we go into a process called sanctification. And so the process of sanctification is a lifelong process that happens until the moment, the moment that we die. And as we get sanctified, we become more and more like Christ. So we'll still sin, but hopefully, not hopefully, but we will be sinning less and less and in less severe ways. Okay, so maybe before you got saved, you were a murderer or a fornicator or a whole host of horribly evil things once you get saved you, you should stop doing those things obviously you should stop murdering if you're a christian um and but what what's going to happen is you still tell a lie here and there you're still going to have small imperfections in your character that christ is working on in your life and over the course of your life that's going to get less and less and you're going to do fewer and fewer sins as you become more like christ as you pick up your cross daily and, and bear it Okay. All right. I definitely agree with those points. Um, Perfect. All right. So are we? let's go ahead and so we did our questions. Let's go get into our Bible reading now. Okay. Let me pull that up here real quick on the software. 
All right, so we are oh. going to be reading Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 5 from the English Standard Version or the ESV. Okay. Let's see here. I got to get that pulled up so I can read it. All right, and we're in Proverbs to start with? Yeah. Cool. Do you want me to read that one? Uh, sure. All right, so Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. <laughs> my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Okay. So this is kind of just like saying, um, listen to listen to my advice, uh, keep it really close to you, and um, uh, let it keep you from like fornication or adultery, or is that kind of what it's saying there? Yes, exactly. I like the I like the say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. I mean, this is my I, I don't know our, our translations were slightly different. Sorry, but, I'm in the new. I was accidentally in the new King King James version. Oh, <laughs> um, so I'll fix that for John. Apologies. <laughs> uh, so what did you say right. again? Oh, I was just uh, saying. Um, basically, it seems like uh, keep keep the advice and teachings uh, close to you, and um, it, it to keep you from like adultery and fornication. And then I was saying. Um, uh, it, it's pretty interesting where it says, say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend. That's a, that's an interesting way to put that. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know if you heard this Austin, but uh, right as I started reading, we got a, a I think a subscription or something uh, over on Twitch. We've got a couple messages from uh, an account called feisty little lady. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate that you're listening to us and that you're liking what we have to say. God bless. So uh, we'll move on to our next Bible reading. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Hope your faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. And All right. So the, we're oh, doing we the right version. Sorry. Uh, we're, you said ESV? Yeah, ESV. And so we're in, also going to be reading John chapter 7, um, verses 1 through 9. All right, so after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because of the Jews, uh, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews first, now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, "Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he is to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him." And so really quick, this is probably either uh, James or Jude, right? Or did he have even more brothers that aren't? Um, I don't know that we know that exactly sure how many he had. A, he had like, let me, let me see. Uh, he had four brothers, James, Joseph, or Joseph. Simon and Judas, and that's mentioned in Matthew thirteen fifty five. For those oh, okay. of you who want to look it up. 
All right, for not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. All right, so... um when it says the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. This is kind of like, uh, this is why I think people don't want to come to Christ or that people have such an issue with Christianity. Is it just because it kind of like calls you out really? And, (laughs) (laughs) and so it's, I don't know. That's just kind of my take on it is like, people don't really want to feel that they're doing something wrong. And it's, you know, but yeah, that's my that's my my little two cents on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, um, you know, and and the and and you can see in this world that uh, the world definitely does hate Jesus, right? Like, if they don't just outright hate him, they will make him into their own image and then worship that instead, which is equally as as hateful. I would say it's worse, probably, as far as like consequences go eternally. But uh, what do you yeah. mean, make him into your own image, like? So kind of you, form their own beliefs. There, there's a lot of, uh, you know, gay affirming churches, which will say that Jesus didn't condemn that sin, uh, those sorts of things. And so, you know, they'll they'll recreate him in an in a way that would affirm that and then worship that instead of the real Jesus that that absolutely condemns all forms of sin, both sin, uh, oh, you know, both homosexual sin, but also heterosexual sex outside of marriage, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. they will they they take Jesus and they they take out the things they don't like about him from his teaching and then worship that instead. Yeah, and I think we can Oh, dude, I think this might be a good time to to springboard into um Dusty Devers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh so we're still yeah, we're still on that. Uh, do you want to go over to that article? I have it pulled up. Uh Yeah, I got it pulled, pulled up, up right as here. well. All right. So we're looking at an article in Rolling Stone. Uh, the, the, the headline here is a little bit uh, limiting. He's got a lot more than just this is his platform, uh, but it says this lawmaker wants to jail people for watching porn, which is true. He has introduced bills to uh, outlaw the viewing uh, and creation of pornography, um, but he's also done a lot of other stuff than that. Uh, he's an Oklahoma lawmaker, uh, and they describe him as a hardcore Christian nationalist who believes the government should terrorize evildoers amen (laughs) Um, (laughs) so uh, they say he's uh, dusty devers is a fundamentalist preacher he's also a state senator so he does both of those at the same time uh, and he insists he doesn't see any firewalls between his two roles as he crusades to outlaw porn and what he decries as the abortion holocaust which it absolutely is and abolish no-fault divorce in oklahoma he argues that the sole purpose of government is to promote what is good in accordance with the will of God. And, uh, you know, of those things that they mentioned, I completely agree with him. Um, abortion is a holocaust. It's a genocide against a specific group of people, those that are inside of the womb. And uh, almost an entire 9-11 happens every single day in this country where we kill that many babies. And so it's... Are you it's, serious? That many? Mm-hmm. About 2,900 a day. Uh it's sick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know there's I think since 1963 it's over 60 million babies have been aborted. 
that's that's way more than the actual Holocaust and getting that's closer to communist levels of murder. Uh, I think in Russia there was like 60 to 100 million that were murdered, something like that. I, I don't know the numbers on all those, but it's it's insane um, what we've allowed in this country for so long. And so uh, he would be it's described sad to say that like you're <clears throat> a baby is not even safe in his own mother's womb. That's like crazy. Mm-hmm. You'd think that's where they'd be the safest. It's where they should be the safest. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an abortion abolitionist. We absolutely need to, to get rid of that in this country and around the world. Uh, I also agree that we shouldn't have no fault divorce. And for those that might not understand, uh, before Ronald Reagan in this country, there was no such thing as uh, a divorce on whenever you wanted it. The only reasons you could go and get a divorce were if there was some serious issues in the marriage, like, uh, adultery if uh, there was if you, if someone was beating up their spouse, uh, you know, I can't remember. I don't know all the exact technical reasons, but there had to be an actual cause to allow for a divorce to take place. And so in, ca- in case somebody doesn't know, also, adultery is when you're married and you have sex with somebody outside of your marriage. So that's that's why that would be one of the few exceptions um, mm-hmm. before Ronald Reagan. Yep. And so uh, now we live in a, in, a, in a society where you can just get divorced because you kind of just don't like the other person. Yeah. It's, um, so. Man, the, the, like, the seriousness and sanctity of marriage needs to be taken at a, at a just, just more seriously. And mm-hmm. it's, you're not just, like, some people, I guess, kind of view marriage as like, oh, well, we've been together for a long time um that's like the next step in the relationship but it's it's really a lifelong commitment and so like that's something that needs to be taken into consideration when people want to get married is like i'm gonna commit to this person this single human being for the rest of my life like that's that's why it's such a huge thing like Mm -hmm. you know it's i don't know that's why that's why when when uh, children are born into um households where their their mom and their dad are married they just end up doing better because their parents are committed to each other and then you flourish as a child in that, in that relationship. So it's, it's just crazy that people don't take marriage that seriously anymore. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, I think people see it as a way to kind of like give their partner flowers. It's like, Oh, we're going to have a whole day celebrating us. It's I think that's how people kind of like look at it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, they just so easily throw it away. You know, it's, it's not a, a real commitment to a lot of people anymore. It's, it's, just something you do like you said it's just kind of that next step and it's it's pretty, yeah, that's and pretty the, sad and their vows are just kind of like nice platitudes that they say on that day mm-hmm. <laughs> well and, and the other part of it and and i've been uh this has come up recently in uh do you know who alistair Begg is he's a preacher yeah yeah he's like a like a scottish or mm-hmm. irish um preacher i have a hard time telling the difference but yeah <laughs> uh, i think he i think he is scottish no, I think he's Irish. Um, I don't know either. But uh, he's gotten into a lot of issues recently because he gave the advice to a grandmother to go to her, I believe it was trans grandchild's wedding. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's gotten into a lot of trouble there because, you know, as a Christian, when you go to a wedding, you are implicitly uh, ex- accepting that wedding and you're saying that you support it and you're going to a- advocate for its continuation. 
that's what a lot of people don't understand about weddings these days is that it, just by attending a wedding, you are in support of it. You are saying that you think that they should be married and that going forward into the future, you're going to do everything you can to support that marriage. You're going to babysit their kids when they have children. You're going to help them out financially if they get into some hard times. You're going to give them wise counsel if they're having issues together. Every single person sitting in that room should have that understanding when you go to a wedding. Um, so he's in a little bit, uh, a little bit of heat for that, huh? Yes, there's been a number. He's gotten dropped from John MacArthur's conference that he was going to attend. Uh, he had a radio program that uh, that radio station dropped him because it's a very serious thing that he's talking about, and he he didn't have the right answer on it, and he doubled down. He didn't. So he said that people called him out and said that that's not the right answer, and he said, "Well, I I still agree with what I said," and so. There's a lot of people that are not promoting him anymore that used to. And so, uh, yeah. I think the right move there would to call them up and say, hey, I still love you. You know, I'd, I don't hate you because of your decisions, but I can't be in support of your union. But I'm still here for you. You know what I mean? I still love you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't X people out of your life because they make decisions that you don't agree with. But you also don't stand by the wrong decisions that they make. So I think that's kind of... Yes, I think and that's good. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. And the problem is in this discussion, a lot of people take it as the grandmother not ever wanting to see her grandchild again by not going to the wedding. And the answer is we you should still be in that person's life. You should still try to, uh, you know, be with both of those people and, and talk to them and, and share the gospel with them. But you can't go and support what they're doing. It, what they are doing is evil and wrong and a mockery of, of what God's you know perfect prescription for us is right and so well like if you're see it one thing that really confuses me is the people that hate christianity let's just let's just throw it out there let's say the alphabet community just hates christianity right why do you get married it's it's an institution that was given by god to human beings so like if you really are rejecting god just never get married like do you get yeah. what i mean just be with mm -hmm. your partner call it whatever you want and just do whatever you want but when you're you're kind of following, you're borrowing from Christianity when you get married, because that's what God's plan was for human beings. So if you really, really reject God, just don't get married. So yeah. you're absolutely right that it is a mockery when you when you get married for like in the wrong way or the wrong reason. So that's it kind of supports my whole point that like I think marriage in the eyes of other people who aren't in the church just kind of look at it as like the next move. Well, I love you so much and we've been together for two years now. Let's get married. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, th <laughs> that, that brings me to another problem in, in our society. Uh, the problem, a big problem that I think exists is that we've intertwined the government with marriage. You know, the government issues you a marriage license. That then means that you get certain tax benefits and tax breaks and it allows you to go and, and, you know, you then can change your name. And there, there's just all sorts of governmental reasons why you would get married. And I think that's a problem as well. So I don't believe the government should, in, should be involved in marriage whatsoever. It should be something that you go and do with your pastor in front of your church or in front of your family. And those are the people that should take it seriously and that it shouldn't be a, a governmental institution. Now, I guess that kind of also goes against my no-fault divorce stance. <laughs> Um, so it, it, it's a, it's a bit How of a so? tricky, well, the, the reason why you would have a, uh, the reason why I, I'm saying the government shouldn't be involved in divorce. And so if the government shouldn't be involved in divorce, then there shouldn't be any legal, anything going on 
uh, as far as divorce is concerned. So, no-fault divorce is the government uh, uh, d dissolving that marriage legally and officially. So, I just wanted to point out there is a bit of a contradiction there in, in kind of my beliefs, and I'm not... I'm not 100% sure exactly where I fall, but I, I I really feel like the government just shouldn't be involved in marriage at all. So would you say to take away all the like like tax benefits and all that kind of stuff, you're still like, how would, how would you kind of go about that? Because like the only way it's really, the only reason the government really cares is they want to know how to tax you, right? Um, there, there's a few reasons why the government cares. Uh, it's for tax purposes. Uh, the reason ostensibly the reason why they give you a tax break is to support uh children and rearing children and raising children and that sort of stuff so those are some of the reasons why the government gets involved um it also just helps with uh social cohesion so the reason the government gets involved in marriage and, and officially recognizes a marriage is so that all of our society agrees that you're married and that has certain connotations to it uh so th those are some of the reasons the government gets involved I just think that it's it's been a horrible tragedy that the government you know kind of even officiates it. You can go get married in front of a judge instead of a minister of like, like an actual Bible preaching minister. Um, so it's a complicated. Well, if issue. the church was handing out certificates, I probably would have done that too. I just how do you prove that you're married if like you don't? Yeah, that's just kind of my thought because yeah, that's what well, me and my wife did. We just went to a courthouse. Mm -hmm. It wasn't and, a judge though. Yeah, I, and, and, I, and I think that's a marriage. I'm not saying that you're not married, because what the Bible, the Bible doesn't give us a marriage ceremony. There isn't like, here's how you should do marriage, and you need to have this person do this and say this, and then you two do that and say that. That doesn't exist in the Bible. What we see in the Bible is it says leave and cleave. You, you leave your family and you cleave to your, your spouse. Um, and so that's as simple as it is. You just take them as your, you know, you, you both agree that you're now married husband and wife and you go and you live your life uh, for the glory of God, at least as, as far as what the Bible prescribes. Yeah. I, um, I try to get involved in my aunt's church and I was talking to the pastor, just getting to know him and meet him. And we, he just really honed in on our marriage and he was really like, just, he was saying that um, he's like, I'm not sure if a state certificate means it's real or or but I'm not saying it's not. And he's like, I, I do believe that it's implicitly taught in the Bible that you should, you know, get married in front of the saints with in your community and all this kind of that this and that. And it's like, dude, I I all I was trying to do by getting married was to follow god in the first place and i looked very long and hard on every instance in the bible where it talks about marriage where there is a marriage or anything like that and there's just like you said there's no formula if there was a formula mm -hmm. i would have done it you mm -hmm. know what i mean but he was really critical about um my marriage being like from from a state or from the state and i was just like i didn't know any other way to do it i in his eyes i was supposed to go to the church you know uh, mm -hmm. with a pastor in front of all the believers and it's like yeah well yeah if i was instructed to do that then i would have done that but there's no I, I, like there's god yeah. is, just isn't saying that so exactly and so like i said i'm not going to say what you did is wrong i i think you're officially married before god as far as god's concerned uh just by making the decision and and making those vows to her even if you did it in private right there is nothing in the Bible that says that you have to do it before anybody and that there has to be witnesses and there has to be a, 
you know, somebody that's officiating the wedding. None of that exists in the Bible to my understanding or knowledge. And what we see in Genesis is that you just leave and you cleave. And that's just kind of how it works. Yeah, several people got married by just buying the dude's daughter and then taking her into his tent. So, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. <laughs> and and that's that was a marriage. You know, it, it, the act of sexual relations used to mean that, you know, and we don't take it that way anymore. Yeah. So. All right. Let's. um. Oh, yeah. So a little bit back to Dusty Devers. I really like uh, what he's got going on. Um, he was elected in a special election in December and he represents the town of Elgin, Oklahoma. Um, so everybody just be praying for him. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of what he's doing sounds really good. We'll have to see what he actually does and how it's received. Um, I haven't looked a whole lot into exactly what he believes as far as, you know, his faith. Uh, my understanding is he is a fundamentalist Baptist, uh, which is something that like, I'm not necessarily a fundamentalist Baptist, but I, I strongly agree with a lot of what they believe and what they teach. Um, that, that poses the question, what does funda fundamentalist mean? Yeah, so a fundamentalist, it, it basically just means that you believe in the fundamentals of the Bible and that you take the Bible very seriously. And that if the Bible says something, you're going to seriously look at it and, and seriously agree, you know, agree with it. Like, a lot of times what it means is that, like, let's take uh, seven-day creation. A fundamentalist would say that the Earth was created in seven days approximately 6,000 years ago for example they would say that uh when the israelites were escaping from egypt that god parted the the red sea for them to walk through on, on dry ground it wasn't some wind you know it was it, like that literally happened as a miracle because that's what the text says it's not some yeah. story it's not some allegory it's not made up it actually is true literal history and so a fundamentalist would take very seriously every instance that of true history in the bible just kind of bible believing at the, is that a good way of putting it like in its in its entirety mm -hmm. yeah that, that's my understanding okay. and again if you if you have a different understanding we'd love to hear from from you about that as well yeah if you guys if you feel like getting involved or um chiming in on anything that we have to say you can um if you're watching us live hit a uh, throw a comment at us like um like on twitch like that that one uh lady did um there's also that text line um 833-262-6431 if you have any prayer requests or disagreements and then i just kind of want to read something from this this article um all right, so it said elected in special election in December, Devers represented the town of Elgin in Oklahoma's rural southwest where he grew up and serves as the pastor of, of a Baptist church. The 47-year-old politician's views are extreme, <laughs> even for a Christian nationalist. Surveying American society, Devers does not see a religious sphere and a secular sphere. He only sees Christian and satanic. Amen, dude. Um, either you're coming under the rule of God, your creator, or you're coming under the rule of the serpent. I mean, it's all true. He said during a January podcast in Deaver's views, uh, civil society, apart from the influence of overt Christian doctrine, is not um, neutral middle ground, but rather the realm of the devil or what he calls the serpent theocracy. I mean, he's not wrong. And it's yeah. it's funny how th this um, uh, Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. Um, he's either your father or your father is of the devil. There's really no neutral party. You're either in Jesus's camp and or you're not. Mm -hmm. And so. 
that, that's that's really funny. You either hold yourself to what God says, and that's your that's your law, or you do whatever you want to do, which is the devil's law, right? Amen. So it's it, it's just funny how in their attempt to criticize, they nail it. They <laughs> nail it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the 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 awesome thing is that people are reading this and seeing that that's the truth. Okay. They just plainly stated exactly what he believes. They they didn't take him. I don't think they took him out of context. It doesn't sound like it, at least. But they're but this is trying to be a hit piece against him. <laughs> um, hey, well, at least they're good. Um, I don't know who Tim Dickinson is, but at least um, I have respect for that. Like mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, he didn't sit there and smear him but he did kind of i think what he was trying to do was um throw in his beliefs and hope that his beliefs and positions would smear itself Mm -hmm. which is actually i think good journalism like report it as it is right and then it'll do its it'll it'll do its work if it's gonna people are not gonna like him for what he believes and that's how it should be yeah he didn't misrepresent him or anything like that so so I, i you know i don't think there's a whole lot more we need to talk about about dusty devers except to say pray for him uh, I want to see a lot more Christians get involved overtly in government. Uh, it, it, you know, it it talks about in this article a little bit, like, um, uh, you know, how he's doing things out in the open, and previously fundamentalist Christians would do it kind of uh, covertly and behind the scenes. All politicians, if you're a real, actual Bible believing Christian, you need to be out in the open promoting that. Okay, and if you don't get reelected, you don't get reelected, but at least you were speaking the truth and doing the things that God's commanding you to do. And what I think would happen is that, A, you would probably get reelected, but B, it would it would cause other politicians to either run for office and try to get elected or to come out of the shadows themselves as well. And so th- that's what we should all be praying for, is that more politicians follow this model that Dusty Devers is kind of promoting, where um, you know he's just out in the open with his faith, he's speaking the truth, uh, a lot of people might not see it this way, but I believe he's speaking it in love. Um, I don't think he's doing any of these things because he hates people. I think he wants to ban pornography, abolish abortion because he loves people and, and wants them to flourish and, and do the things that God wants them to do and that are God honoring. Yeah. And so to kind of put that in perspective, if you're hearing this and you're not a Christian or not like um, somebody that reads the Bible, we we really believe that it's like watching a blind person walk into a fire right or like a fiery building and saying nothing is the evil thing and saying something is the loving thing like if if we truly believe that sin is harmful to the the people that do it and it just brings death upon the people that actually sin saying nothing is the evil thing from our standpoint Mm -hmm. so to affirm and to affirm you would be even worse so it's you don't have to agree with Christians. You don't have to believe what they believe. But when they say, hey, I think this is wrong, that shouldn't hurt your feelings because you don't care. If you don't care, then you don't care. But like getting like it's weird that people get mad when they say, hey, I think what you're doing is wrong. It's 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 a sin. It's going to hurt you. And it's like, well, man, I'm going to do it anyway. Like if that's that should be your position. But if, if you really don't care, but it's weird that people get so mad, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't well, know. It's, it, it, it's, be, it's because God created us with a conscience. We know what the truth and, and what the right way to do things is, and we intentionally go against it. Um, in addition to, to the conscience that God has given us, which can can be twisted and turned wrong and evil, so we, we shouldn't just trust our conscience. Um, 
the other thing is, you know, uh, my favorite verse is Psalm 19, uh, verse 1. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. So you can look up into the night sky and you can see the majesty that God created and the, the wonder, the incredible things that he's done. And you know that in, and you should know that he exists just based off of that. Yeah, if um, to, to put it as blunt as I can put it, if 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 God isn't real and there is no afterlife, this is a very miserable existence that literally means nothing. Everything you do means nothing. Everything you achieve means nothing. It all goes away and it's all it's all just a t ticking away. And mm -hmm. so it, it, if there is no afterlife and we're just a coincidence, it's all pointless and it means nothing. And it's a miserable existence. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that's I my my conscience was burning in me saying this cannot be it. This our life here on Earth cannot be it. There's got to be something else. And a, kind of a little bit of my testimony was that I was starting to get into like new age stuff because I knew there was a soul. I knew there was like how like what's up with ghosts, right? Like <laughs> there people and people with NDEs and all this kind of stuff. Like oh, I just that? knew Sorry. that this a near death okay. experience. So I, um, to me, it, it, um, it, it just can't be it. Like, like there has to be something, something more to this existence and more to this life. And, um, uh, you, you come to find out in the Bible that there is that, that there, there is an afterlife and, um, it, you're going to be kind of the same, but better. I don't know how to put that, but like mm -hmm. you're gonna, your body's going to be glorified and transformed into something that's better than what it is now. And it, it's just crazy. Like, I was searching for that in something outside of the Bible. And it, it's just some, it, I don't know if you're in the new age, just like, like astral projecting and um, like crystals and chakras and all that stuff. It's all the deception. It's mm -hmm. all a deception to distract you from Jesus. And you'll, you'll eventually find um, if you're searching for the truth, you're, you'll eventually stumble on Jesus and you'll, you'll realize that it's the truth. Hopefully. But, hopefully yeah <laughs> unfortunately there are a lot of people that don't and that's why we need to do podcasts like this you know that's why we show up and do this as often as we can and uh we uh, you know if you are a bible believing christian we really want you to start spreading the gospel uh online as well uh, either by sharing our content um but not because not to glorify us in any way but just to share the gospel uh, or to create your own content yourself right like that's why i think every christian should be online utilizing the free resources that we have to spread the gospel amen and it's it's as easy as telling people um god is real and he paid for our sins and if we put our faith in him then we get to go to heaven you know what i mean it's amen. it's pretty much that simple mm -hmm. and so just to repeat that again you know uh, put your faith in jesus christ guarantee your salvation you'll go to heaven for sure so absolutely all right, let's go ahead and watch some of uh, some AIW clips. Okay, let me switch on over to that here. All right, and let me get that up front and center. All right, looks like we're good. All right. I kind of want to start with this Andrew Schultz one. Okay. All right, let's, let's do it. Even though he's joking, Andrew Schultz is 100% correct. I've, I've thought of a solution for the Israel-Palestine situation. Oh, nice. Honestly, you would think it'd be very difficult, it's but it's not... actually not. Okay, hit it. We have to make Christians in charge of the area. But you need Christianity. You need Christianity. 
You need Christianity. You're not Christian. Why get an extra? Why this is what bothers me. You this is why it bothers me. This is why it bothers me. Ultimately, we all need Christ to serve as king of this world, and he will rule from Jerusalem one day. Contrary to popular belief. Oh, man. If you just... <laughs> just for context man jews do not like christians so <laughs> that's that's hilarious um but it's just it's so funny that i don't even know if he knows this but that literally is what's going to happen jesus christ is going to come back and he's going to rule from jerusalem and be in charge of that whole area um i i won't necessarily say that jesus will be ruling as a christian uh there's there's arguments for and against that that, that we're not going to get into here but that's essentially oh, that's, what he's that's saying. That's a take I don't know about. I need um, to. We need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So that that might be a good question for another time. But uh, basically, what Andrew Scholes is saying is that Jesus needs to come back and rule from Jerusalem, and that's going to solve the Israel-Palestine problem. <laughs> that's, that's not funny. Um, and then he was saying that you need Christianity. You need. <laughs> it's like yes, we all need Christianity. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> you need it too. <laughs> is he not Christian? No. No, I don't think he, it, from what it sounds like over the last few months or year, he's kind of been joking with the idea, and, and I think he is actually taking it a little bit more seriously. He, uh, I have another video from a while back where he attended uh, a church service and really enjoyed that and found a lot of meaning in it. Um, so I think he's getting closer and closer to Christ and, and to God and, and to a true and saving faith. So as Christians, we need to be praying for him. So another uh, crazy person that's um, not crazy person, another crazy thing that's happening to somebody that's famous is um, I don't know if you know who you should know who Russell Brand is, but mm -hmm. I don't know if you like follow his content. Or yeah, anything, a little bit. Yeah. So back in the day, he was really big into um, Eastern mysticism and like we're all gods. We're all part of the same consciousness. Like the human mind is like, you know, top. Like the, the apex God of things yeah 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 and so um then he started to hit some like hard points in his life and he started to pick up like the bible or listen to his christian friends and stuff his audience is like mainly christian it's it's funny <laughs> um but uh so like everybody's probably been preaching to him or hitting him in the comments and stuff but uh he's starting to like read the bible reference bible verses and he's like I don't know if he's fully Christian now, but he talks about Jesus and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's crazy. There's a lot of people like you can see just God working in everybody. Mm -hmm. Like um, th yep. there was uh, Joe Rogan is starting to come around to the idea when like 10 years ago, he was just like vehemently against it. Well, and Well, it was, it was crazy. So one of, one of my first videos that popped off over on TikTok, it's got like two or 300,000 views now was me calling out Joe Rogan because he was trashing Christianity with some other atheist on his podcast. And I was like, don't just trash Christianity. Bring somebody on that's going to actually be able to defend it, right? Like, if you're going to make all these claims and say all these things, like, actually bring some Christians on. And then over the course of the next year, he actually did. <laughs> he actually did start yeah. bringing Christians on. There was a guy on, um, I can't remember his name, but he uh, he supports intelligent design. He's an actual scientist. Yeah, I, that's what um, I was going to bring up. I don't know his name either. St uh, Steven C. Meyer, I believe is his name. Um, so go check him out. He's got some good content you can look at. You know, And so Joe's actually going and doing what I called him out for. Not that I had any part in that, but uh, you know, it's just... It's amazing to see how God can work when when you you know you pray about these things and, and ask Him to to work in these people's lives, and so we need to be praying for Joe Rogan. We need to be praying for Russell Brand. We need to be praying for Andrew Schultz that 
they can see the reality of what God has done in, you know, to create this world and then to send his son to come down and save us. And so that we just need to have faith in him. Um, they're, they're really close. And I think what that's indicative of is our culture is really close to another, uh, in, in United States history, there are two periods called the first and the second great awakening. Um, and I think we're right on the precipice of a third, uh, you know, we're, I, I think that we're, we're coming back to, to God as a country. What, um, give me a little bit of backstory to those. I don't really know anything about it. Um, there were just movements where there were a lot of really, uh, fiery preachers that would get up and get massive crowds and, and people would get saved and, and believe in Jesus and kind of repent of their sins. And so they were just kind of Billy big, Graham, but in like the 18, like the yeah 1800s. Oh, that far back. Wow. Mm -hmm. okay. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had one. And, uh, yeah, you know, just, just be praying for this country, be, be praying for, all these uh, these people that have such huge platforms to be able to share the gospel. Um, somebody else that's really cool that's got a big platform who's a Christian is George Janko. Uh, so he's yeah he's he's been promoting the gospel and and kind of going through what he believes and and putting you know having some really good uh, Christians on his podcast and it's it's been really good to see uh, that people are responding to it that he gets millions of views on his stuff and. You know, uh, I hope that we get to be a small part of that, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to have an audience and stuff. I've been speaking to the ether for thirty <laughs> episodes now. So, <laughs> well, uh, fortunate. Fortunately, the the edits that we've been getting of our, uh, you know, uh, what we of these podcasts getting made into shorts by by your wife have just been going off. They've been going pretty well. You know, thousands of views on those. She does an amazing job. So, thank kudos to her. She appreciates it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing what God can do, and you know, it, it takes time and effort. But this is a, a completely free resource. You know, we're not spending money to be able to, you know, be here in front of you today. Uh, well, I guess we are technically spending a little bit on restream, so we can be on a bunch of different services. But we could be doing this completely for free if uh, if we wanted to, and and you can get started today doing it yourself. So if you're a bible believing christian if you've put your faith in jesus christ uh and you feel called to just start your own podcast you know or yeah. make some little shorts it doesn't have to be a full-on hour two-hour podcast you can just make a little one minute clip and put it up there and it's crazy i i, I just did that and a couple of them have gotten over a million views <laughs> not not because of anything good or great about me but because of the way that god can use it and, and that god the way that god works yeah, and, and um, definitely reach out to us if you're a Christian that wants to spread the gospel and you want some kind of like pointers or um, some advice on how to get started. And mm -hmm. we've definitely done some trial and error to figure out what works and what doesn't. And um, we're not so bogged down right now. Like we're not like I, I, there's some people that stream and their friend requests and their messages they're just getting blown up like crazy and that's definitely not the case for us so we can we can like chit chat with people one-on-one -on -one and mm -hmm. um, kind of just give you some some advice for a couple minutes and stuff it's not a big deal so yeah. if you guys want to spread the gospel online and do the same thing we're doing and you want to know how to get started definitely let us know um, yeah. you can use that text line if you want to at uh, 833-262-6431 And uh, Ryan knows what he's doing um, with all the 
podcast side of things. Yeah, so um, if you have any technical questions, uh, I'd be happy to try to help you out. Uh, we use, just for context, we use software called OBS. Uh, so that's really simple to set up and use. Uh, there's a lot of tutorials online that can help you out. And uh, in order for us to communicate, so obviously we're not in the same room right now. Uh, Austin's at his house and I'm at mine, so we're using Discord. And to play the... Uh, the videos so we can both hear them and so you can hear them online we're using discord's watch together feature so uh, i mentioned all of this because i've gone through a lot of different iterations of trying to get audio to play <laughs> online uh, between different people and for this all to work and discord's just been the easiest one for me uh, uh so far so it's all a massive headache and one day we hope to be in the same building doing this <laughs> podcast amen Amen. That would be that would be beautiful. So, just be praying that uh that it blows up, that it goes well, and and that we can use it to glorify God. Yeah, that's the mission. Um, if if we end up being successful, it just further shines a light on Jesus, and that's the whole point. We're not. I mean, w what we're really in it for is we want people like it'd be so great once me and Ryan are both passed. And someone either while we're on earth or when we get to heaven is like, hey, I heard your stuff. I came to Jesus Christ because of the message that you were preaching. That Man, that's going to burn, put a fire in my heart and my soul that yeah. I, I, dude. Well, and, and So I can only imagine what other people feel like when they actually have people come to faith because of what they're doing. That's and, That's got to be amazing. Well, and, and I don't know if anyone actually has come to faith, but one of the videos that I, I posted that's got a million views, it's uh, there's a, a gentleman called Sovereign Bra. Uh, he's over on Twitter at Sovereign Bra. You can go check him out. Uh, his name's Chase. I posted his testimony on TikTok, and it got over a million views. And what he's saying to do in that video is go read a book more than the Carpenter, more than a Carpenter, by Josh McDowell. And in the comments, there's like thousands of comments, and you just scroll through it, and like every other comment is, "I'm gonna go get that book. Uh, I'm reading that book. Um, you know, I read that book and I came to Christ." And like. Even if just one person actually reads that book and comes to Christ from it, like, that was worth the hour I spent editing it, you know? Like, it's just so little work on my end and so little of, of me doing anything, and it might actually lead to somebody coming to Christ and, and changing their life forever. Like, it's just so beautiful. And again, this isn't yeah. to, like, to toot my own horn. Like, I, w I didn't even put myself in that video at all. It's all just Chase speaking. So, you know, all I did was a couple edits. It's not like I did anything spectacular, but just that little bit of faithfulness might have actually made an impact in some, some person's life. And that's just, it's incredible. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for the, the next clip? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is going to be uh, Ryan's pastor, Pastor Bob. And, um, uh, yeah, I can't can't remember his last name but all right Copany. let's do it pastor bob Copany. <laughs> all right if you don't a popular belief you don't have to go to hell about a hundred years ago the president of the senate who by the way is the vice president named calvin coolidge was presiding over the senate and even back then senators are arguing with each other calling each other names nothing new and one of the senators said to another senator i don't know who they were go to hell everybody was shocked especially the guy who that was said to who then appealed to calvin coolidge to do something did you hear what the senator said he told me i could go to hell calvin coolidge was a man of few words he and a cool spirit had all these books on 
um, the rules of the Senate. He started looking through one of them. He said, well, I did hear what he said, and I've checked the rule book. You don't have to go. So if you're worried about it, can I just tell you, I've checked the rule book. You don't have to go. You need to know that. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We know our destination. The Bible says God hasn't destined us for wrath. Trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Contrary. You're muted. Did that pause for you as well? Yeah, it did. Okay. So yeah, that's um that's a very good point. Um, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, there you're not held. Oh, what's the best way to put it? Uh, you're not going to go to jail for your crimes mm -hmm. and uh, the sins that you've commit been committed. So if if you've ever read the the crucifixion account where Jesus is basically like he is absolutely destroyed. He uh, cat of nine tails, which is like uh, um, like a whip. Like mm -hmm. I don't even how to know how to put it. So, so there's. Yeah, it's, it's a whip, and on the end, there's nine different uh, strings that are coming off of it, and at the end of each one, they'll put, like, glass or metal or, like, pottery shards, and it's just designed to rip up whatever it's cutting into. So he was tied to a post and whipped with a cat of nine tails. Um, they put a bag over his head and just bludgeoned him with their fists. They stabbed a crown of thorns into his scalp, which is, like, one of the most sensitive spots on your body. They nailed him to a cross, like they absolutely just destroyed him. And he he knew that was going to happen and did it on purpose so that he his life and his blood and his body would be a payment for all of our sins. So once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're not condemned for what we've done. We're essentially forgiven for everything. So mm -hmm. well, and you don't have to go to hell. It's all a choice to not accept Jesus Christ. But sorry, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, you know, you have to look at when, when is there no condemnation? When, uh, when we're, when we die and we go to heaven. And no, it we, says now. It says, therefore, oh. now there is no condemnation in, in those who believe in Christ Jesus. And so if you're a murderer and you committed murder, you're still going to have to go to jail and face those consequences here on earth. But as far as other Christians should be concerned, as far as God is concerned, there's no condemnation for you here, you know in the sense that you aren't you've been saved from the consequences of that sin eternally so uh we can have assurance that now it's it's applied to us not it will be applied to us when we die it's going to be applied to us after we go through purgatory no 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 now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus okay so that's like a that's an immediate thing when you put your mm -hmm. faith in Jesus Christ exactly okay. you are you're immediately justified before God then you go through the process of sanctification, and then ultimately you're going to be glorified uh, to be up uh, with the Father after when you die, or when we uh, get raptured. Nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we have one last video for you guys. This is going to be talking about um, Elon Musk's um, company Neuralink and what they're doing right now. Um, just, uh, Ryan, can you give us a little backstory or a little bit of information on that? Because I don't think the video covers it that way. Yeah. Um, so Neuralink is a new company or a new product. I guess I should say it's not a new company, uh, but it's a, a product that Elon Musk is developing where they are going to insert wires into people's brains and they are going to use that to uh, have you be able to interface with a computer with directly with your brain. And so what that will mean is that you could think something and a computer mouse could move or an artificial limb can move. 
And then also what that should mean is that they can put things into your brain. So like uh, they can you can watch a YouTube video without having to turn a computer on. You just think about it and your brain goes to YouTube and then plays the video for you to be able to see in your brain. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So literally the, the first person to uh, have that just got that uh, implanted, uh, I believe, last week. So I think they're still doing tests and they haven't publicly released anything yet, but we'll see what what happens with that going forward. So, uh, all right, let's roll the. Clip. I, oh, I know that he, he I know that he wanted to use this technology to like help with like issues like was it like Parkinson's and like like eliminate different diseases that arose in the body using this technology. Right. Wasn't that um, one of the goals? So it, I don't know if Parkinson's necessarily would be one of them, but he, what, what this would help with are people who are uh, quadriplegics or who have like lost a limb or don't have the use of their limbs. Uh, potentially, it could help people who are blind. You could wear like goggles that then put visual images into your brain rather than your eyeballs doing that. Uh, people who are deaf, uh, people who, are, who can't speak, they could use this to be able to speak through you know, a computer, essentially. So there's a lot of different wow. like, physical problems that this could help solve for people so that they can live a more normal life. And actually, even like by more normal, it could be even it would be even better in some ways of defining it than like a normal human being. Like they'll be able to use a you know computer to be able to make verbal sounds, but they could also just think and the computer can just hear you. And so they could make a YouTube video without even having to have a microphone wow dude that, right like that, yeah. <laughs> technology dude mm -hmm. oh my god so all right let's roll this of course i'm accidentally <laughs> crockett yeah you call the crockett oh, well. law group we back you up that means Scoop. if you've been in a life-changing accident we work every my mind is blown i know this was coming but actually when you when you read it first thing in the morning or you see it on on x you kind of think wow it's really happening so i mean is this good or bad well, I mean, I, I, hopefully it's, it's a good <laughs> a good development. And obviously, uh, Elon Musk has always said he wants to uh, develop these kind of technologies in a, uh, a kind of safe and responsible way for humankind. So hopefully he's going to be true to that. I mean, obviously it's, it's you know, very early stage and there's a huge amount of trials uh, and an evaluation to kind of uh, go to take place before we're kind of anywhere for this to be kind of being a mainstream development. But yeah, you know, the, the kind of, I guess the thing that's exciting for me is they kind of obviously it's helpful for people from a health perspective yes. but, but yeah. you know the the potential to extend these kind of technologies yeah. into mainstream kind of consumer electronics you know, the evolution of the smartphone yeah. is something we talk yeah. about all the time and whether these kind of technologies can be adapted uh, to kind of you know evolve that kind of technology would be quite something but can it and I'm, I'm kind of with you right it's immensely exciting and a massive opportunity for people that need to communicate that haven't been able so yeah. far mm -hmm. I guess who regulates it if then becomes you know a consumer good like you buy exactly your yeah I mean it's it kind of because it blurs both the health side and the technology side yeah there could be lots of different agencies involved in even though he's joking but uh yeah so like it was like they were saying they ultimately obviously elon musk is probably going to want to turn this into a consumer product kind of like an iphone where it's sold to millions and millions of people and makes a ton of money for him like that's the goal of any anybody that starts a business would be to make money um but in the near term it is going to help a lot of people with a lot of the issues that we talked about before but i guess the concern as a christian is you're going to hear a lot of people talking about this being the mark of the beast 
and there are some ways you could interpret the the mark on your forehead or the the mark on your hand uh, to mean Neuralink in some sense. I don't think it's going to have to be something that invasive, but it definitely is something that could be used for really great evil. Uh, somebody being able to put thoughts into your mind is problematic, right? There, you know, your computer can Imposed get a schizophrenia. <laughs> it could be that, or literally just like putting in evil, wicked, demonic, you know, thoughts. You know, uh, it, it could be a simple. It could also be that you they they pump in ads into your dreams. Like, there's a lot of really weird stuff that can happen with this technology that wouldn't be what anybody actually really wants, right? Like what we started to see with with phones are. At, at first, the phones didn't have ads, and you just paid a bunch of money for them up front, and that's all the money that they ever made on it. But now they want you to start buying subscriptions to stuff. The My phone, I hate it. It downloads a game onto my phone every week that I have to then go and delete. Um, you know, Can you imagine them downloading a game into your brain every week that you have to then go and delete, right? Like Those are the sorts of things that, that could start happening if we start adopting this technology in a mass in a, you know, as, as a population. And so, you know, these are just things we need to think about and be concerned about as Christians. Do we want this in our lives as a Christian? Do I want this kind of an influence directly into my brain at all times for the rest of my life? Right. That those are the sorts of things we need to start thinking through as Christians. And we need to start praying about and that we need to search the scriptures for to get good answers to these things. If I had to make a decision today to get it or never get it in my entire life, right this second, I would say I would never get it because it, I think there's way too many problems that could arise from it that are, that even though there's massive benefits, those benefits don't outweigh those potential problems. Yeah. Um, my only thought is like, do you think Christians who are blind or or mute or deaf or quadriplegic, do you think they're going to be tempted into taking this technology? I think so. And and again, at this moment, I don't have enough information or enough spiritual guidance from, from the scriptures and through prayer to say that they would be wrong to take it. You know, if, if I didn't have the use of my arms and my legs and by doing this, I could then have that use, I, I probably I probably would make that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, again, it would it would be something that I would have to very thoughtfully and, and faithfully and, and prayerfully consider rather than just making the decision all on my own. And so I think ultimately as Christians, we shouldn't be afraid of this new technology. We should approach it from a perspective of, is this something that God wants me to do? Is this the right thing to do for me and for my life based on what God wants, not what I desire and my... Because like... If, if I wasn't a Christian, this sounds really cool, and I might actually be considering getting, you know, getting one in five or ten years whenever they're available, because being able to directly interface with a computer, that would, that's, like, amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be, like, a superpower. It, like, th there's, like, there's, uh, there's superheroes that, that have that, that as a superpower. They're able to interface with electronics from a distance or through their brain or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely going to be something that would be tempting if you're, if you're, um, you know, not, not a Christian, but like, I'm trying to think, I, I guess, I guess you've already pointed out why it would be bad, why you wouldn't want to do that. But 
I guess from a Christian standpoint, where 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 does the evil lie? You know, it 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 just depends on what kind of influences you're letting into your life. I think that a lot of Christians, we just kind of went along with it, and all we all got smartphones, and we all just al- allow that to. Uh, to be in our life and we didn't really do it I didn't do it prayerfully or thoughtfully at all I just bought one because it was really cool Um, but there's also a lot of negative side effects to cell phones and to smartphones and and to the things that we have access to on those devices I mean you know uh, Dusty Devers wants to outlaw porn well everybody's got access to whatever they want in their pocket at any moment you know what? Are, what are the consequences of that? Well, the consequences are that a lot of people stumble and fall and and give into temptation because of it. So, having that directly in your brain, you know, that's a that's even another level farther. Or where you can like, does it does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like if you if you just thought about it and it entered your mind, then it's just there in your mm-hmm. in your in your mind, and you can't like your your resolve would have to be like 10 times stronger mm-hmm. to deal with those kind of sins and thoughts you know well and and I, we don't actually know <laughs> exactly how it works there might not be a level of resolve that could keep some things from being put into your brain so somebody essentially hacks this device they could be implanting thoughts into your brain and, and forcing you to see things and and forcing you even potentially to do things yeah that's nuts because oh, like man. we're getting into sci-fi yeah. world here. But, I know, yeah. but that's a I don't know how it works. I don't know uh what studies have been done on animals so far, but like we can we have the technology to take a like dead cockroach and give it electrical impulses into its limbs and make it like move around. Is that going to be possible with Neuralink? Even... I don't know. I mean it anything electronic is is um hackable. Like I've seen mm-hmm. people do crazy stuff like well, so uh, right now, if you have a car that is newer than 2013, somebody can hack your car, and if they put a, a device in it, they could drive it remotely. Oh, my. Right? Most people don't know that, but that's that's a fact. Your car has the electronics to be able to operate and move everything electronically, and so it can get hacked. That's nuts. So it, do you want your brain to be able to get hacked is the question. So, right. Yeah. And again, it, it, that trade off might be worth it if you're a quadriplegic and you're literally stuck and can't do anything and you're costing your family tons and tons of money to take care of you and feed you and all that kind of stuff. Where if you got this, then you wouldn't be a burden on your family like those. I'm not saying that somebody who does that is evil and wrong to do it. It's just something you need to do prayerfully and thoughtfully and, and with with a lot of trepidation. Yeah. Well, all right. I think we're getting. I think we're about at the end mm-hmm. of our of our episode here. Yeah, it's we've been, been a we've done re- really good episode. It has. I think this is our best yet. Um, I'm really excited to be you know doing this again with you. It's it's been a little bit, and I know both of our lives have been pretty crazy the last month, and I'm just really excited to uh, to get back into it with you, man. It's it's a lot of fun to talk with you, and I hope that it's edifying and 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 you know. Uh, that people are, are getting impacted by it. And it sounds like we have at least one new follower over on Twitch. Um, so thank you feisty little lady uh, for joining us and, and giving us all these wonderful comments. Uh, sorry, we couldn't really respond to them. It's, it's tough for us to kind of juggle everything that we're doing and, and still, 
you know, interact with our audience, but hopefully someday we'll have somebody that can kind of moderate for us and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, that's just not where we're at yet. So, again, thanks for joining us. And, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, hope you guys uh, enjoyed the content. Um, we're going to be – we always like to chop up these these podcasts and put it into little shorts. And then um, if you like what you've seen in the shorts, maybe send it to a friend. But ultimately, the whole reason why we're doing this is so that people would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, we want to encourage everybody, if you're already a Christian, to go and spread the gospel. And if you're not, just know that God is real. He loves you. He came into this world and became a human being, lived a perfect life laid it down as a sacrifice to atone for um, our sins on our behalf. So if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And so amen. I would encourage everybody to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Guarantee your salvation. Guarantee yourself going to heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to end it here? Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Hopefully we'll be back next week uh, to uh, talk to you again. So goodbye. Goodbye, everybody.